Welcome back to Geek Life, Pandamanga.com's very own podcast. I'm JP. As always with me is my fearless co-host, the Brian. I came here to podcast and chew bubblegum, and I'm all out of bubblegum. <laughs> <laughs> Visiting us with us this time is the administrator. Hey guys, how's it going? Mike. What's up? And a new member to the PM team, Nero. Hello. So today we're going to talk about games. Now, with the nature of the podcast is that we tend to have a pretty long time in between each podcast of the same subject. So we've all had an opportunity to play kind of a shit ton of games, <laughs> or at least some of us anyway. <laughs> so uh, instead of trying to pick one thing to review, we'll kind of go around and talk about a couple different things later on. But we did pick one thing to review. The one thing that we did review is Lone Survivor. And we did our classic round robin, where we have a party, beer, pizza, and we just trade the controller off every half hour. It's become kind of a PM Ten tradition. minutes, man. Ten minutes. Well, it was half hour last time. Was it half hour? Yeah, it did by fast, didn't it? Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that's kind of become a tradition, and we always try and do that. It's a lot of fun, and it's good to have everybody have a chance to play it. However, this game we did not actually all the way finish. I'm pretty close to the end. So I, you know, I think that what we'll do is we'll have like a kind of for now review, podcast review, and then I'll put up an actual full written review with the final verdict uh, as soon as we finish the game, which should be in a couple days. It may even be before the podcast is actually out or by the time it's out. So maybe I'll just release it concurrently. That might be the best way to do it. So first, a little housekeeping. So if you guys remember last time we talked about the changing the launch date from June 1st, Brian's crying already, from June 1st to July 4th. This is still the case, and I just wanted to remind you guys, if you missed the last podcast, because not a lot of people... No, people downloaded that one. People didn't download the one where like we missed a week and came back. Everybody was like, F*** you guys. You're going to have to earn our trust again. <laughs> anyway, uh, so yeah, so that's that one first piece of news. Second piece of news, something really exciting happened. Uh, a little background on the story. I love to go to midnight game releases. I think it's a bunch of fun, and... It's just kind of an event. And I like build it up in my head that it's like way more than it really is. Because really, it's just a bunch of like stinky, lazy guys who just want to go play the game right now. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. last time I did that, Mario uh, Smash Brothers. Oh my god, it was just like a giant line of smelly guys. Which version of Smash Brothers? Uh, ooh. Yeah, oh, yeah. it's all about the 64. No, 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 no. It was the 64 one. It wasn't the Okay, Wii. good. What? No, 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 no. Those we were all there for the Wii releases. one, dude. Yeah, I was also there for the 64 one as well. There's a GameCube one. Nobody. That's the one. I'm, oh my god, I'm an idiot. Yes. Did you really say wow, in you were like in line for in like any GameCube game? Yeah, I, I mean, love that. Gnarly. Does Man. the GameCube even yeah. count? Really? You know, I had some good times with the GameCube. <laughs> the but... Awkward silence. <laughs> that was the first Smash Brothers I played. It was a lot of fun. Out, yeah, right and that was a good Smash Brothers. <laughs> I would say the first two Smash Brothers are really excellent. Yes, I, you know, I don't that. think that the the Wii Smash Brothers got a fair shake because you had to like use the damn Wii Mote and yeah. the nunchuck. I think that when we all pulled out the classic, uh, controller. the classic controller, or better yet, if you actually had what's called the Wingbird, right? Mm, yeah. yeah. The, 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 it's like you can, you can get wireless GameCube controllers, and GameCube controllers work with the Wii, but typically the actual Nintendo GameCube controllers called the Wingbird, I believe, mm -hmm. are pretty rare and relatively expensive. And but that's like the way to play those games. I think we would have probably liked it a lot more if we all had wave birds, but they're like sixty bucks each. Yeah, and I heard that there occasionally the battery would run out really quickly, so you're changing. Yeah, and no, well, it was like the, one of the first wireless things back yeah. in the day. So a lot of issues. Well, anyway, we're getting off subject. So I was at a midnight release uh, for Dragon's Dogma, which we'll, I'll talk a little bit about later. And 
as I was kind of hanging out with uh, the manager guy who who at uh, at the uh, local game store, I've kind of gotten. Uh, what? Why is Brian looking at me like that? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I was at the local game store talking to everybody there and just kind of enjoying the the very geeky gamer jokes and conversations that were going on and leaned over to the manager and was like, dude, you know what we should do? We should record a podcast at one of these midnight shows and like capture just like the electricity in the air and just the mayhem and just ridiculous geekiness of it all. Mm. You know, you know, I'm thinking to myself, like he's going to go, Oh yeah, that'd be fun. You know, just kind of pass it off. He was so excited. He was like, yes, we need to do this. This would be amazing. (laughs) And then like, as I was leaving, we'd like for 20 minutes later, we had talked about a bunch of different stuff, totally moved on to another subject. As I'm walking out the door, he comes up, puts his hand on my shoulder and goes, no, seriously, we need to do this. Get a hold of me. Let's do it. The next one is Borderlands next month. And I'm like, well, okay, I can't do it right away. He's like, well, whenever you want to do it, we need to do this. So stay posted or stay tuned and we'll keep you posted. Hopefully we'll be able to do a midnight show uh, or mid, yeah, I guess a midnight show at yes. uh, <laughs> GameStop. The uh, hopefully GameStop, but whatever. Anyway, so the the kind of the plan with that is we would go record a quick podcast, maybe twenty minutes or so. Come home, play a few hours of the game, put up the podcast along with like a short initial sort of impressions of the first few hours, and then go the hell to bed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see, so number three on our list is the prep for the Alternative Press Expo or Ape as it is often called, mostly called, is underway. Uh, Today, the administrator and I went and actually got uh, our seller's license so we can actually apply for a table. At this time, it's still pretty early. Uh, I don't think that they even have the actual applications available on the website yet. So only those of us who are seriously interested about it and sent in an interest form actually have the real applications to get a table. So we will be there as long as we don't get denied, which is unlikely, because it's really a time game. So if you wait too long, you won't get in, but hopefully we'll be there. So again, we are starting our preparation to get ready for APE. APE is going to be this year, obviously, in October from the 13th to the 14th at the Concourse in San Francisco. If you want to learn more about that, you can go to comic-con, so that's comic-con.org forward slash APE, just A-P-E. Following up with that, we're preparing a little bit of merch for Ape. We kind of like do like a like a Zazzle fulfillment thing for online so that we can have it hands-free and focus on what we're really here for, which is the comics, the contributors, and the podcasts and all that fun stuff. And so we don't want to have to get orders, package things up, take it to UPS or USPS, whatever. It's That's, that's not something we want to spend our time on. So we use Zazzle for that online. But when it comes to things like an event like Ape, we always want to have actual merch with us. Typically, we don't use a fulfillment company like Zazzle for that because we don't really get much of a good profit margin there. For us to bring a bunch of them with us, it's way more expensive than it needs to be. Anyway, so we will be uh, coming to Ape with some cool t-shirts and stickers and fun stuff like that. But those of you that are fans of Panda Manga and are local, as in like Northern California, Napa Zone, (laughs) that's a couple of you, hit us up at geeklife at pandamanga.com and request a t-shirt. We are taking our initial order. We'll be ordering them in just about a week or so. So if you listen to this podcast, jump on it right then, because we may have already ordered them at that point. But we will have some for you. So a couple of you guys here in town and close friends and, you know, hopefully new listeners can uh, can get a actual shirt for the uh, our special ape merch shirt. Uh, those of you that are far away can always go to store.pandamanga.com and check out our merch there. 
we went ahead and uh, updated our Zazzle store with the new logo with the little ears, little panda ears on the top of the speech bubble, as well as replaced everything. So the store is updated and ready to go. So those are the shirts you actually want, not the old ones from the kind of early startup. And that's it for housekeeping. So like I said earlier, our round robin review this time around is for Lone Survivor. So for those of you that aren't familiar with Lone Survivor, it's this great little indie game that came out just a little while ago on April 23rd. Uh, it may have been available a little bit earlier than that, but that's the actual Steam release date. Anyway, so uh, it came out on Steam on April 23rd. I saw it like that day and thought to myself, that looks kind of cool. I'm a sucker for anything sort of 8-bit style. So I went ahead and downloaded it. It was only like $9, maybe on a little bit sale, or $9.99, but it was on like an early like release, kind of get you into it sale. But downloaded it and thought, oh man, this is really cool. We should totally do a games round robin. We hadn't done actually a computer games round robin. We've only done PlayStation or Xbox or something like that. So this time around, we thought it'd be kind of fun to do something like that. So we invited everybody over, passed around the keyboard, and played it up. Let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about the game itself. I'll read you uh, the excerpt from Steam here. In this psychological survival adventure... The masked protagonist must escape from a city ravaged by disease by any means necessary. Starving and exhausted, he has begun to question how much of what he sees is even real. A new kind of adventure where the choice of how to survive is up to you. Sneak through without firing a shot or kill everything in your path. Eat and sleep well or resort to drugs to keep going. Search for survivors or try to escape the city alone. Look after your mental health or descend into madness. Lone Survivor is a game where your choices genuinely matter. So an interesting little side note about Lone Survivor. It was made by one guy. The mm. whole game. And this is easily a under 10 hour game. Depending on how much you suck, it could be about that or a little over. <laughs> but I think that the, the kind of general consensus online was it was something like between 4 and 6 hours long. Which I think is a little bit short. But that's what people are saying. Anyway, maybe I just sucked at it and had to keep trying over and over again, but Steam is, is at this point more than six hours, and I'm, I'm close to the end, but not quite. The publisher is Super Flat Games, and the developer is Jasper Byrne. Apparently, it took him a whole four years. Four years, it? yes. Yeah, so Brian, uh, tell us about that a little bit. That it took him four years to make it? Right, and he did it all himself. Yes, he did. He did all the programming, all the art, all the music. Yeah, and even the soundtrack. Yeah, we looked at the soundtrack. Is... Check out the soundtrack. Which, by the way, you can find at spacerecordings.bandcamp.com. And it's the first thing that pops up right there. You can check out that, which actually is excellent. It's yes, very, that very little cool. song that you heard is one of the, like, the main theme, too. Yeah, it's, that's the, it's like the intro song. Yes, it is. But there's lots of but stuff it there. actually is played in other parts of the game as yes. well. In some yes, of the it is. Sequences and that's stuff. a very, very cool soundtrack. I, I really enjoyed it. So let's, let's go around and give some impressions. Uh, you know, uh, Three of us are in, on the, this podcast today. We're actually there for the games around Robin. So we'll just give kind of impressions on that. And then, then those of you that weren't there, you know, throw out some questions and ask us what we thought about it. And, you know, maybe we can pull up some interesting information from us. So let's start, let's start with the administrator. What were your impressions of the game? So to start with, I was really impressed by the overall look and feel of the game. Even though it was 8-bit, it still really had the whole horror genre feel. It 
matches exactly kind of what you look for, like, say, in a Silent Hill. It, it fits right in there. Well, if you remember when I first was telling you about the game, I said, Oh my gosh, Administrator, I found this game. It is 8-Bit Silent Hill. Yeah, and as a matter of fact, I thought you were actually referring to the actual 8-Bit Silent Hill that uh, somebody <laughs> made, which I have yet to play, but maybe we should put that on the list of Yeah, yeah, let's put it but on the list. But yeah, no, there's a lot of similarities. I'm pretty convinced he lifted some of the sound effects from Silent Hill 2. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Especially the item get sound. Oh yeah, absolutely. But this game was a little strange for me because... Almost every aspect of it was exactly what I was looking for in a horror game, except for one. And it kind of falls into the regular stereotype of a horror game where the control scheme is hot garbage. (laughs) So hot garbage. So I'm really inwardly confused about this because everything else about this game is so awesome. But very cool. The controls really kind of had me thinking, do I want to keep going? Yeah. But as far as the soundtrack goes, one of the most spectacular soundtracks for a horror movie, uh, horror movie, horror game that I've come across in a while. Easily. I just fell in love with the music. Well, you know, and, and every little aspect of this game is amazing, or I guess even more amazing. The fact that it's one guy poured four years of his life into it and came together with a product that, you know, has some has some problems for sure. But it's one freaking guy. That's a lot of hard work, ingenuity, creativity and talent. I mean, it's not like. Just an artist, or just a programmer, or just a musician. It's like he got all this stuff together, and it's all quite a high level. Yeah, when you put it into that perspective, it's really pretty spectacular. Especially when you keep in mind that four years isn't that far off from what a studio would spend on a bigger game. Really? Yeah. So to have just one dude throw together what can actually be called a full, complete game in that timeline is pretty amazing. Yeah, it is. It's it's really impressive. Absolutely. Brian, what was your what was your impressions after the games around Robin of Lone Survivor? I'm realizing that survival horror genre really is not my cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> I know we keep doing that. It was we we I mean we did the last rounds Robin I think was in preparation for the zombie podcast and yes. we played The Walking Dead episode <laughs> one. And poor Brian keeps getting stuck with these damn survival horror games. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember like. You and the admin were kind of freaking out at um, a uh, at one of the monsters, and Dustin was like, "You know, you can walk faster than those guys, right?" And you can just go <laughs> they're comprised of about fifteen, twenty <laughs> pixels. Yeah, and and, and and so it's like that's exactly how I was thinking it, and it's like, and you had said, "Don't you ever get immersed in a game?" Yes, and I still know that I can walk faster than those guys, so I could easily escape. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. Like, survival horror, just really not my cup of tea. And like you were saying about what was hot garbage was your exact phrase, which is brilliant. Uh, Yeah, there were times that every one of us was just frustrated over the control scheme. Like, what the? Like like vocally loud about it. Yeah, this person had to relearn it. Yeah, yeah. there was a lot of cursing involved with the control scheme. A good part of that is the problem, and I would say probably the biggest problem with the round's robin, round robin is that unless a game has really clean, intuitive controls, you get a little ways in, and the game expects you to have played it as long as you've already played it. And, you know, after you get a couple, you know, swings around, you've only played it for a half hour, but it's two hours in, you know? And then it's kind of like, you get into a serious situation, there's a bunch of guys attacking you, and you're like, oh shit, how do I shot web? You know, it's yeah. like really bad. Well, part of the thing, I think, is that you know, the keys weren't in your normal natural position, like your WASD or those No, the, the WASD, like A, a and S were like, Gamma. 
Yeah, and and so there was that, and then some keys would actually be because a lot of the stuff would happen with your left hand, and then you would have other things where you would have to actually move to a different position. Yeah, you were moving then, with your right hand, action yeah. with your left hand, not natural. But anymore. you would have to physically pick up your left hand in order to to do certain. Do so 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 C and X were the typically most used ones. C would draw your gun when you finally got it. Mm-hmm. And X would shoot, and X would basically do everything else. Yeah, right. X and, was your action. Right, button. but but then at the same time, instead of just like, like a like okay, like a shooter, you've got the WASD right, which is kind of a little closer to the number pad, or yeah. the, but the numbers across the top. But even then, you're clicking a number and then doing something with it with the with the left mouse click, right? Yeah. With this, you got to click the number and then you got to go back down and find you know your pointer and, and middle finger onto C and X. I'm not, I don't know about you, but I can't like blind go bang, C and X with my two fingers. You know what I mean? It's like, that's yeah. not something I'm used to. Well, the problem with that is that it's off of the home base. So you have, you know, the little nubs on the uh, center part of the keyboard. And that's how you find your uh, keys blind. Aside yeah. from, you know, those of us who have serious gamer hand. And even when we're resting idly, it goes to WASD. Yeah, you can't see yeah. the keys, like the letters. On well, it's the, ASDF, like, you know, the standard home row to right. sort of thing for yeah. your left hand. It's just, it's just awkward. I mean, any of us that have played any length of game, or let alone, I'm looking at Mike right now. <laughs> let alone lots of MMOs. I know. Just naturally, like, when I'm writing out papers for school, my hand just goes to the that little WoW configuration, right? When I'm just sitting there reading, I'm like, oh, shit, now I want to play. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you get this like incredible ability to bounce around between the different numbers, all the way up to nine, ten, even mm-hmm. minus and plus, and it's just kind of like. So there's just no game that has ever prepared us to be ready to jump back and forth between the numbers and C and X. No. And you know, and, and the numbers actually it's not switching to choosing something. It's like drop this stuff on the ground that attracts the enemy and then book it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, drop this, then hide. And it's like, oh but but no, and okay, I gotta pull out my gun and shit. Wait, no, ah, and dead. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was definitely happened a couple times. And then they jump on the ceiling, which is awful. Yes, yes. That, <laughs> I, I was glad that I didn't play any of those sections, because that would have just frustrated the hell out of me. It's like, well, after we the- played, I continued to play on my own, and there's this scene. The scene we got stuck on in the hallway. They had, like, four freaking guys and, like, one wall. Like, and it was bad. I, I went in there and massacred them all. After <laughs> I played for a little while, it was so, I felt so gnarly afterwards. It was crazy, though. Man, I kept using flares on that. So uh, there are... Two main ways to get through parts of the levels in this game. There's right. the gun, which yes. has its advantages and disadvantages, and then there are flares, which also have their advantages. Right, and then there's there's so the third way, rotten meat, where you oh, can use that yeah. to attract somebody. So you can so basically you can like get in front of this darker area, press X, and you kind of like you know shadow morph into it, and you kind hide. of step back and hide, and your guy gets you know everything gets dark, and you can just see his little blinking eyes, right? And you, what you want to do is you want to put meat kind of on like say somebody's on the right side of this of this shadow passage you want to put meat a little ways on the left so that you can run over there get in there and they walk past you and then you can keep going because these guys are attracted to raw meat because the idea is that all of your enemies have turned into this pseudo zombie sort of silent hill creeper dude right because they're not just zombies they're like buck naked and bald and awful and they make like vacuum cleaner noises <laughs> yes they do this they is really just like do. a dog's worst like, nightmare game <laughs> with vacuum the shaky your head thing it's a, it's a vacuum cleaner sound it is Guaranteed. a vacuum cleaner sound that is what it is it's some machinery type of sound right anyway so the administrator you're saying three ways to get by so you've got the meat the flares and the gun. So the gun obviously has the most <laughs> firepower. Uh-huh. Uh, couldn't resist. Uh-huh. So that's how you're going to kill your enemies. All the other ways is just 
uh, a method to get around. Mm. You use the gun, you shoot your enemies. It's not a one hit kill system. No, it's even like, if you headshot. Four and five. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so you're wasting a lot of ammo. The idea behind this game is to use your gun as little as possible because there's just not a lot of ammo. Now mm-hmm. there are some ways around that. Some would consider that more of kind of a cheater way. But still, the idea behind the game is to conserve what you have. The second way is flares. I was really happy when uh, these became available. Basically, they're they're like the safety flares for, you know, the side of the road when you get a car accident. So you pull off the top, it flares bright red, and all of your enemies just cover their eyes and start freaking out. And you can walk through them, which you normally can't do. You basically bump into them, your hitboxes touch, and then you're done. And you can't get past, and then they chop you up and eat you, right? But if you throw a flare down, they basically, their hitboxes disappear and you can walk right through them. Right. And that's really handy when you come into a small area where there are like four or five enemies, like somewhere later down in the basement. They're just just awful situations. And then finally, there's the meat, like we were talking about before. And you use that to attract your enemies and you kind of stealth around them. When we come back, we'll finish with JP's, or my, impressions of Lone Survivor. You're listening to Geek Life. Stay with us. Drop of rain, you know I love you more. And welcome back to Geek Live. This is Mike. I saw introduce you all back to JP, where he's going to give us. His impressions of the game Lone Survivor. So, my impressions of Lone Survivor. Now, I am a complete sucker for anything, like I said early on, 8-bit. I love that stuff. It's just... I freaking love it. And so that's what initially attracted to me to the to the game in the first place. The You know, because in Steam, right, they've got their kind of like content slider up top. And it just kind of goes through the most recent stuff or the things that they're pimping or promoting or sales or whatever. And it just came through with this like really quick little blip. Lone Survivor, a story of survival. <laughs> you know, but it had a quick image of it. And I thought, oh, 8-bit, that's cool. Anything 8-bit I always click on. Even if it ends up being really freaking horrible, I always click on it. So clicky away, I went went in there and started reading about it. I was like, oh, that's awesome, right? And so like just to preface all that, I mean, just to lead in with all that, that is what attracted me to the game, and I did genuinely enjoy it the whole time. Excellent art direction. Very, very cool. Creepy, alive, awful walls that are pulsating like a heart, and flesh doors you have to cut your way through that bleed, and it's just, wah, you know, it was really gross and detailed, but at the same time, really only utilized a handful of pixels. I'm impressed with how they were able to achieve a general, a genuine sense of creepiness and fear with so little material to work for visually, you know? And there were, like, some sections where early on in the game, it's not really much of a spoiler, but you go into this place because there are some notes saying, hey, go into this apartment, and you go in there, and everybody's just there partying. And you're like, what what the hell are you guys doing? Don't you know what the game is? There's, like, a bunch of, like, like, you know, 
text app options to like yeah. basically call them out and be like, "What the hell's wrong with you? There's zombies out there." Yeah, well, I'm getting like, a martini. Almost. Yeah, and they're like, well, "I don't know what you're talking about." And then you walk into another room, grab an item, you walk back, and it's like everyone's dead. It looks like they've been dead for a while. Yeah, it's like just sprayed all over the place. Like, yeah. it's just miserable. And you're asking yourself, because, I mean, right, like I said, when I read the kind of Steam blurb about it, right from the beginning, they're throwing out there, are you crazy? You might be crazy. Anything you're seeing, you never know. Yeah. So, you, know, you go in and out, and like Brian was saying, it's like it looks like it's kind of been there for a while. Like, were those guys even alive when you got in there? Were you standing there talking to air or corpses? Like, what's, what's happening? Yeah. Was it all uh, let's do the time warp again kind of a thing? Or? Right, yeah. yeah. It was really crazy. Game so so I guess moving on from the art direction, which I really did enjoy again. Uh, again, the music, also excellent. And the story was interesting. I always feel kind of like the plot device of, you know, maybe your guy is actually crazy. It's just kind of like a super lazy way to be like, I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want now. You know, as a writer. It's kind of like, oh, it was a dream. Ha! Ah! You know, it's that same sort of just like cop-out crap. However, in this, I think it was done really well. There were actual game mechanics that used your crazy brain that kind of became sort of a, 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 you know, a main point in the way that you traveled around. One of the things that you come across really quickly is you walk out into the main room from your bedroom, which is where the game starts, essentially, and you see this, like, nasty old mirror. And you look into it, and you can look... You can either look into it or look deeply into it. And when you look deeply into it, like, the world gets all kind of shady and weird. And, you know, you see kind of like the old film grain come up and noises happen and stuff. But nothing happens. You just kind of look at it and it freaks out. And it's like, oh, this guy really is crazy. But then you find another mirror a little ways away. And you look deeply into it again. And then, bam, you're right back into your room again. So it's basically like a teleport system back to your home base. And it would link the mirror that you most recently went to out in the world back to your home base permanently until you found another mirror. And so there was not only kind of a a very slick way to kind of capitalize on your guys crazy, but also a really interesting mechanic of, wow, I went to this through all this scary, crazy shit, found something really important or like, I'm like farther in the level where I need to basically operate now. But there's something a little bit earlier in the level. Like you start like on in an apartment complex, right? And so you're on the second floor then you get to the third floor, or the, the, the first. first floor, and then you go down into the basement, right? So there was, I distinctly remember a part where I thought to myself, oh man, I've got this great kind of portal connection, this mirror portal connection between somewhere deep in the basement, which is just before the next thing I have to do, and it's a giant hassle and uses a bunch of my resources, which, as is common in a survival horror game, are limited to get down there again, right? But there's something that is super easy and nice to have kind of a a mirror warp to get in and out of to talk to kind of like your supplier, your shop guy, mm-hmm. you know? And so you're, 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 you're stuck with this choice of like, okay, do I want to protect the, the link that I have down there or do, you know, what's, what's worse to have to work my way through this first, this, you know, second floor again. And you know, what have I, haven't I taken care of and, or do I want to get all the way down there? It was just kind of an interesting play on that. You're crazy business. Yeah. And it had an interesting aspect where your guy got hungry and tired and sleeping is how you save the game, basically. But your guy would get tired, and he'd be complaining and whining about it. and like you, Whining like a bitch. Yeah, seriously whining about stuff, about being hungry or being sleepy. One of the cool things is that you had these pills that you could take. Red pill, blue pill, green pill. Each one of them did a specifically different thing. So if you were tired, you could take a red pill, and that would keep you up so you wouldn't feel as tired. 
and then blue pills and green pills, they would make you really drowsy, but you would have a crazy ass dream and you'd wake up with some sort of supply. Each right, one, you'd, you'd like meet some guy with like, there's one guy with like a cardboard box in his head and then there's another guy like sitting on a stage in like a lazy chair. Yeah, you're sitting and, with him and you have and these like chair. really just kind of weird, esoteric and just like ambiguous, strange conversations with them where they're like, Asking you questions, you're like, you know, you know who I am. You know my voice. You don't, you don't have to. You know my name. You don't, you don't have to ask. And you know, why don't you just use my name? And you're back in your bed again. And you're like, well, that was really weird. <laughs> but you know what? I got more ammo. I can shoot some zombies. Yeah. So, but that was a really interesting mechanic too. I wanted to touch on that next. I'm glad you brought that up. That the 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 pills thing was very cool. You know, because you get to a place as is common, like I said before, with a lot of kind of survival horror games where the scarcity of your items is, is kind of a big gameplay mechanic of like, oh shit, do I want to use this one bullet or do I sneak by or what? And this game, their scarcity was a big part of the gameplay mechanics. And to get freaked out or because of the just like steaming pile of hot shit controls, use a bunch of bullets that you didn't really need to use and have an option to be able to like basically have a crazy drug trip and then wake up with more bullets was super, super nice. And really kind of saved our asses a couple of times. We would have been completely stuck and screwed more than once. Yeah. And that there was another thing that I wanted to mention about saving your resources and that sort of thing. The creepy zombie-looking dudes, they kind of had this really weird vacuum death animation. Well, the vacuum cleaner <laughs> sound. all about the vacuum cleaner. Um, when but they yeah, spotted so you. But also, when they died, they kind of had this slow mechanic of where they were dying. I would always get frustrated by that because it's like I would fire an extra round because I thought they were still alive. And I'm like, damn it, they, I shouldn't you have always that. use that extra round. Yeah, always, you like, always use that extra zombies. round. Yeah, yeah. so frustrating. Especially when you get on to later enemies where there's actually two stages to them. So You kill them and they drop on the floor. Or then there's other enemies that jump up onto the ceiling. And, it, you know, it gets to where it's kind of insane. And you really have to cowboy up and just shoot the shit out of these guys jumping and bouncing all over the place with these kind of terrible controls. And, like, two directions. And, and, like, you know, in classic, again... Survival horror style, all of Resident Evil, you like are restricted in your movement. Now, obviously, you know it's not a 3D game, so it's not like you can't move around. You can't turn. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, you you thing. actually can't turn when you pull out your gun. You are facing that one direction, and this is a side-scrolling kind of a game. So. Yeah, which is stupid because you can press up to aim up, down to aim down. You think you could press left or right to look, but yeah, whatever. it just moves you backwards. Right. I mean, I guess it, it could be argued that it adds to the tension, but. You could also I disagree. That's you could not, also add game, to the fact of like you know it allows you to back up while shooting. Yeah, that's true. That's probably why. Okay. Yeah. All right. I will. But if you're surrounded, it's if you're surrounded, of, it's yeah. It's because you basically if you're surrounded, you got to holster the gun, turn, unholster the gun, and then you can shoot them. And it's kind of like ah. You know? And in the panic, you often get those two keys mixed you up. Often get those two keys mixed up, and you oh, start firing yeah. wildly, and then you get chomped. So. I understand why this wasn't an option based on the story. Uh, the idea is that these monsters have an infection that you could theoretically get. But what do you guys think about the concept of having a knife in this game? Well, you know, a little late, later on, you pick up some things that you think you could use as melee weapons, but you can't. Mm-hmm. And so that's clearly a, an element that they're focusing on is that, you know, it's infectious like super infectious. Right. But how would you feel about having a knife in this game? I feel like perhaps it would make the game a lot easier. I, I don't know. There were just some points where I just wanted to pick up a sharp metal object and start stabbing everything. It probably has a lot well, to do with you know, when I got ammo. I, I think that when they got close to you while you were shooting, it was basically just trading blows. Right. I think that the way the game was designed doesn't really allow for, for a clean 
melee, melee combat, combat sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one of the things I detected was when you were getting hit by an enemy, the animation, you couldn't really tell except for you couldn't move all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. And, and it would flash red, I think. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, exactly. The music would enhance sound effects. So it was kind of difficult to know if you were too close. Or too far away, right? You know, and they and they they have they they built in a cool thing at least with the the standing zombies where you can aim down, shoot them in like the shins, and they kind of stumble back. But then the question is, does that do less damage? Do you need to use more bullets now? Like, what's going on? But is it a trade for you know? So anyway, so I mean, you know, again, it's you know, it's a survival horror crap. You know, the the combat is kind of eh, it's okay, but really the controls I think were the downfall in this game. Have we kind of covered everything we want to impressions wise talk about? Yep, let's move on to reviews. Well, I have or, one thing I want to complain about. One thing. One thing. The map. Oh, God. Yeah. The map was such an integral part of the game, getting around, going from place to place, and the map was super confusing because this is a side scroll, right? So you look at the map from top down, and you're thinking, all right, I go into this room, but it's almost like roll the dice as to whether or not left or right is going to mean up or down. It's like, what is happening? Mm-hmm. You know, there's... and And... You get to a place after playing it for four freaking hours where you're kind of like, oh, okay, I kind of figured it out. But there's a part in the game where it's not just annoying, oh, I got to pull my map out. Where the hell am I? Okay, here I am. There's a point in the game where you can't pull the map out and you just have to kind of know the place where you're getting chased by the giant monster. Yeah. You do this whole big rigmarole to get this monster down into the basement. You finally get him down to the basement. And he starts chasing you. And you literally have to run through the entire downstairs all the way back to like the stairway up to this first level. And the problem is, is that because of the kind of awkwardness of like which way is left, which way is right in the map, you have to really have that kind of map juju going for you. And you get running, 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 because this thing is running and it will, it is faster than you. And it like, it gets close enough to you. And if you, after a long enough time of it running at full speed, it kind of stumbles a little bit. Uh, but if you, if you make a misstep, you're done. And of course, you can't go through him, and he chases you right out of a door. So you go through a you go through a hallway, which is basically acts like a door, and you go, "Oh, I gotta go right." Oh shit, a wall! Turn around. He's already out. You're dead. So that that section, while really creepy and crazy, and you know, and I played it a couple times and beat it. Now I understand that that's where kind of the administrator got stuck before we were able to do the podcast. But, I only got to do two run throughs. Right, but it's it's confusing, right? It is. Now, I don't know if you noticed this because I was whipping out my map a lot because I had a lot of trouble with the downstairs area. There's actually a section shortly before you bring the monster down where you go off map. And I don't think it was done on purpose. Oh, really? Yeah, short, uh, like nearby where the elevator is, where you push the call button. To the right? Yeah. There's actually a section. It's, it links you to an earlier place in there. It looks like it was. Oh no 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 no! No, I know exactly what you're talking about. Down at the very bottom of the map, where the key is. Right. You go off map. Interesting. Yeah. So I opened my map at one point here, trying and to find my way back map. to the mirror. Right. And I was just, where am I? I went through all of the levels straight up off the map, awesome. and it was really frustrating because awesome. it was the first time I went to that area. I mean, again, all these things are are should be taken into consideration. Or you should take into consideration one guy, yeah. four years. You know, it's like the fact that the game only took four years to make and doesn't fall flat on its face at every turn is impressive. I think. Yeah. You know, he did a really great job with the game. You really do feel immersed. The, the graphics really pull you into the environments, and the music and sound are well done. That's that's the most thing I liked about it. And there was a lot to explore. I'm an explorer. I love going through and finding things and memorizing the map. Mm-hmm. And he did a very good job with this. Um, so. And you rewarded for exploring. You get things that literally mean life or death for you. 
You know, if you run out of batteries, your guy basically has a mental breakdown and dies. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so like in like, real life. Right, exactly. Just like in real life. You know, but so you go off the beaten path a little bit and find something important, and it can really save your life, you know? So that, so it does encourage exploration, like Nero was saying. And I, and you're very much rewarded for it, I think. But, but yeah, the immersion, I think, is really the, the, the big, you know, accomplishment in this game. I think that's a good good observation. So tell me, JP, did you find the can, can opener? I did. Ah. It's right in the beginning. <laughs> yes, I know. I found it like much later on. I thought I, you know, we were having trouble with that in the round robin. So I thought, oh, I got this over JP. No, of course not. Yeah, the the way that they do, um, if there is like two hallway, hallways parallel to each other on the map, you basically have kind of these walls that look a little bit enlarged and transparent that you walk kind of through the image for, which means this is a wall towards the camera, which is like kind of typically deeper towards the center of the building. And there is a door, often a door kind of right behind that, staged a little bit. And the one that has the can opener, which the can opener is important because you get a lot of stuff that's in cans and you can't open it without the can opener. And supposedly, I was reading online, supposedly it's such an awkward door to find. And there's a guy in there, so you have to like have a gun and ammo to survive to get in there. A lot of people just miss it and go through the whole freaking game without a can opener. So that's that's a big misstep right there. Yeah. Yeah, the way they kind of laid out the look and feel, I kind of get what it was going for. It's like kind of like a maniac mansion, but I almost wonder if it was better served by like a top-down Legend of Zelda, the very first one type of um, navigation system. I almost feel like it could have done like really well as like an isometric style. Yeah, yeah isometric would have worked. And the other thing I, I thought what might be missing too is maybe some mouse interaction. I mean, it kind of has this uh, you know console gaming retro feel, but at the same time, if it's on the PC, you know, let's utilize the best user interface we can. Right. Well, you know, I think that if uh, there had been Xbox controller support, Mm -hmm. it would have made a completely huge difference because it was clearly meant to be played, like you said, kind of console style. You know, you can go in there and edit a Xbox Xbox controller preferences, map things out exactly how you want it. But at the same time, it's kind of like... Or any controller. Or any controller for what... Yeah, exactly. Uh, You know, I just say Xbox. That's kind of the most common gaming controller on the PC. But it just feels like it should come with that option. You know, maybe a couple different control schemes. I mean, maybe I'm just a lazy modern gamer, but it feels kind of like, dude, the controls are so like awkward for the, you know, for the keyboard and having something on the, you know, I don't know, on a controller would have think have been a little bit better. I looked up a control scheme people actually made. They had the same problem and they actually made like prep files you can download and they were very logically laid out, but I don't. Like looking at it, I don't think that I probably would have done it that way the first time, but it's way better than what I would have come up with. So it's kind of like there's trial and error to figure out where you're mapping your buttons. It's like, this is not why I'm playing a game. Yeah, there's a community behind the keyboard layout. There's problems with the controls. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So let's uh, let's go around and kind of give our, our uh, reviews. I guess I'll start. I mean, obviously we can't give a complete final review, but we can give a review based on what we've done and what we've said. And then we'll go through and do a full, full review after we're, you know, finished with this and put it on the site. So I'm going to give this game a four Miyamoto's out of 10, and I'm going to break it down this way. That's I have a to bad give it, score. Oh, it gets even worse when you find out how I break it down. Oh, <laughs> yes. I give it three Miyamoto's just for the fact that it took a guy four years to make it, and he built it all by himself. Ouch. Three quarters of a Miyamoto... Because I don't really... This is not my cup of tea. This is not my wheelhouse. I am not a survival horror genre fan. So I have to give it some extra points just for that. And a quarter point because 
At the certain point, you get cheese and crackers and you can combine them and make a better food. And that sounded wonderful. And as soon as I left JP's apartment, I went straight to the local Safeways and got Tillamook cheddar and some Ritz crackers. And it's been wonderful for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Other yeah, than that, throw away pretty uh, much it sounds Pretty like. much. Well, here's the thing. If you remember way back in episode one, I had said that Legend of Mana pretty much broke me and I did not play games for like a bunch of years. Uh-oh. There was only one point where I was watching something on Netflix and I saw you online um, on my PlayStation 3 and I saw something based on one of these little side little bet things that JP and I have got going on. Well, but basically, as soon as the Brian had gotten an ex- a, a PS3, because I had had a PS3 for a long time, as soon as he got a PS3... I basically like threw down the big like e penis gauntlet. Gauntlet and was like, "Oh yeah, for thump, I'm level nine, bitch. Where are you at? You're at zero. Yeah. You." And, and so of course, there's been this like crazy mayhem fight for like trophies. Yeah, and so I saw that you had gone all the way up to a level eleven. What? What? And so. I basically forced myself to play like 20 minutes of Streets of Rage 2, and that's as much gaming as I could actually force myself to play. I haven't had the desire to pick up a controller, and anytime I see a game, I'm like, yeah, no, what am I going to do now? No, I'm going to read. It's, I don't want to play a game. So <laughs> wow. that, that, that should tell you how I feel about this game. Ouch. Damn. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we will finish up the last remaining two reviews from the admin and myself, JP. You're listening to Geek Life. Don't go anywhere. very own podcast and here is jp's score and review of lone survivor all right so my final kind of word on it well not totally final but my review impressions i guess this really sucks to not be able to actually beat it Mm -hmm. yet and let me just slip in here the reason why i haven't been able to beat it because i've been playing dragon's dogma yeah (laughs) and i'm excited to talk about that but anyway back on the subject i really enjoyed it i thought it was a lot of fun I really feel like some of its shortcomings were well-deserved based on the, the staff that it had. you know. But at the end of the day, a game is a game. It's an experience. You need to give it a fair rating, not based on kind of the back end, not based on the personalities or the hard work that somebody put into it. That's not really fair. You need to rate the experience. Okay. Now, I'm not going to give it a, a, a flaming, steaming pile of four Miyamotos like the Brian. <laughs> I'm not, not that evil. I will. <laughs> give it an hour, folks. Give it an hour. <laughs> No, um, I'll give it a solid seven. Yeah, I thought it was, I think it's worth playing. 
In fact, I think that you should go to Steam and watch the video of it, and if it at all piques your interest, download it. It's nine bucks, people. Either that, or this is the sort of game that's going to go on sale, so put it on your wish list and check it out. I mean, the game really will take under 10 hours to play through, and I don't know about you guys, but as as I get, you know, older, you know, as... Ah. Whatever, you're the same age as me. <laughs> anyway, as I, you know, get deeper into having side projects and having normal work and trying to, you know, exercise and all the stuff that kind of takes parts of my, you know, schedule, short and sweet games are really, really sweet. So, you know, I, I kind of extra appreciate that about the game, that it's kind of like, hey, I'm going to tell a story, you're going to have fun, it's immersive, and it's done in 10 hours. That's awesome. Not that I won't dump obscene amount of hours into a game anymore, but I do kind of have a newfound appreciation for short games. So yeah, I'll give it a solid 7. Like I said before, I kind of said everything that I could say about it. I really liked the art style a lot. I really liked the art direction a lot. I felt it was very immersive. I thought the music was awesome. The Really the biggest problem with it was the damn controls. And once you get comfortable with them, or if you take the time to map it out into a controller, then I really think that the game would probably be an 8 or a 9 for me. Like, I really thought that it was well done. And, and honestly, I'm kind of a, a new initiate to the horror survival genre. You know, before the administrator had really turned me on to a couple games, I, the only one that I'd ever played was, you know, Condemned 2 when I first bought the PS3 because it was kind of like, and it came out in like in a game lull. And there was nothing to play. And I was like, I'm going to play this. And, and it, it absorbed me and it was really a bunch of fun. It was kind of my first time into Is that the game with the exploding babies? That's the game with the exploding baby dolls. Aww. Baby dolls, okay. Aww. That's what you want your game to be known for. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's the one with the exploding babies. Is that the one where the infants just... Kaboom. Yeah, no, no. This is the one This is the one where it's it's a great, awesome horror survival game until, like, the last two missions where the, the second to last, or the, the mission before last, all of a sudden, you have a shit ton of ammo and an assault rifle, which is just not how the game is meant to be played. And then the very last one, you basically get a freaking Hadouken. <laughs> <laughs> which just was wrong. Anyway, so solid seven Miyamotos. Thought it was thought it was really fun. I would totally recommend checking it out, especially for its price point and its kind of kitschy, quirky, you know, independent feel, which of course I have a big, huge heart for. So yeah, seven Miyamotos. What about you, the administrator? This one's really tough. I'm more inclined to definitely lead towards JP's grading rather than the Brian's just cold-hearted <laughs> example of mean. This is why we have multiple different people, because, you know, so we have to have some sane people like me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have to have the Brian. Right. Well, it just doesn't feel right to give a whole number to a horror survival game since we're doing Miyamoto heads. So I'm going to go with six and a half, just chop Just so we can right. chop Miyamoto in half. Yeah. Yeah. Not that I would like to do that, but... Yeah. But it's just so entertaining. <laughs> Little Chibi Miyamoto screaming. <laughs> Actually, he's got a frowny face. He's got a frowny face. <laughs> I'm going to give this six and a half just because the control scheme irked me so much. Yeah. Having to lift Huge up mistake. not just your left hand, but your right hand to do different functions was a big pain in the ass. You have to pick up your hand to pause. You have to pick up your hand to drop things. Just not a good setup. This is the type of game where I would really love to sit on the couch covered in a blanket with a controller and play it to the wee hours of the morning. Mm -hmm. So if there was a controller setup, I could easily give this an 8 because there's nothing wrong with the story. There's nothing wrong with the graphics. The soundtrack I absolutely love. So really, it's just the controller that's in the way. Yeah. So, yeah, hey. I, I kind of I think that, that we should – I, I will try and maybe even post on Pandamanga the 
uh, the link to the preference file that I found. And uh, we should all give it a whirl and maybe revisit kind of our opinions on it. Count right, definitely. Out. Count but, you Brian know, out. We'll count Brian out. Th- this cannot be an Xbox controller. It's got to be a USB Super Famicom controller. <laughs> yes. It's got to be that. Yes. But yeah. I've got a couple of those. Nice. <laughs> there we go. So, yeah, six and a half right now, and I'd be willing to revisit it with a controller. Mm-hmm. Definitely. There's also Joy to Key program you can get where you can uh, make the joystick map to keyboard buttons. That might be something to try, too. Oh, nice. Excellent. Excellent. Um, I know you only got to play it for a little bit, Nero, but do you have any kind of thoughts you want to throw in there? Well, when I started playing it, it started telling me the story. I'm like, oh, God, I hate long stories and stuff. I just want to get in the game and feel, get a feel for it and everything. And it's like, press enter to skip. I'm like, oh, thank God, it's past. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you know, I'll, I'll just check it out to see how long the story is. Because, you know, maybe it's reasonable, maybe it's entertaining. And, and actually, it was really quick, short, got me right into the game. And the story was kind of interesting. Usually, mm-hmm. I'm like, ah, oh, get me to the gameplay. I'm like an old school 8-bit Nintendo guy. I just want gameplay. And so, I, I even though they had, this, they didn't need it. I mean, it really got you in, it pulled you in, and you're sitting there in this environment. It's kind of spooky. You got to start gathering stuff, and you don't know where the monsters are either for a bit. And uh, b- besides the controls, I, like I said, it was kind of a really interesting experience. Definitely, definitely. So yeah, go check that out. Steam has it available. You can find more information about this game on Jasper Burns' website, superflatgames.com. Again, you can get the really excellent soundtrack from spacerecordings.bandcamp.com, and you can always purchase it through Steam. I have a sneaky suspicion that this might sneak into one of the Humble Bundles at some point. I think I saw something when I was perusing the Superflat website, superflatgames.com website, uh, in the blog, at least at the time of this recording. The first thing on the blog post was something to do with the Humble people pushing or promoting or helping him, helping Jasper with the game. So anyway, um, so yeah, that's uh, that's it for our kind of round-robin, roundup and review of The Lone Survivor. And Jasper, if you're listening, sorry that I really didn't like your game, but you I go. appreciate you giving me the cheese and cracker addiction, <laughs> and uh, glad you listened. I'd like to take a break right now to go ahead and play a featured song. Now, I know we've kind of gotten away from doing featured songs recently, and, and we've just been linking to the song's information in the artist pages on the show notes on pandamanga.com, or podcast.pandamanga.com. Thank you. Yes. But... The uh, This time around, something came out from one of my favorite artists under the AirPlus Recordings umbrella named RunCT. Now, this guy is an 18-year-old hip-hop beat maker from Texas. And uh, sometimes he mixes in 8-bit and ambient drum and bass into his productions. It makes a really unique sound. It's very cool. And I actually came across him on, I believe it was AirPlus Recordings Volume 2. He may be on Volume 1, but I specifically recognize uh, or the, the singles volume yeah. two, right? Uh, I specifically kind of heard the song and was like, oh, who is this? And I, we actually was on a couple podcasts ago, actually. Anyway, so I saw recently on his Facebook page that he put up a new EP titled Surface. And tonight we're going to play a couple songs from it. Actually, we already played one song. The first song was titled Rain, which happens to be the first track on the new EP. This song is Cloud, which is actually a tribute to, I'm going to probably butcher this, Nujablis a excellent Japanese DJ that I'm very familiar with, uh, but never actually had to say the word out loud. <laughs> uh, he's, he's excellent, actually. I can remember probably from... What do you recognize? He's collaborated with... Is it Rip Slime more often than Shaka Zombie or something? I kind of think that he's been on Shaka Zombie with Shaka Zombie. No, what people in their new job is would be Shamar Shamplu. Oh, there you go. From Samurai Champlu. Right, 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 right. So this track is called Cloud, off of the EP Surface from Run CT. Just came out. 
It is available on RunCT, that's R-U-N-C-T, bandcamp.com, for free. So go check it out and download it. There's a whole bunch of songs there, very much worth a listen. So coming up, Cloud, I hope you enjoy it. Cloud off of the new Run CT EP called Surface. You can find this EP at runct, that's R-U-N-C-T dot bandcamp dot com, available for free. Uh, and give him a shout out. You, you know, this 18-year-old kid, hip-hop beat maker, is throwing down some excellent tracks. It's really excellent. And it's just a testament to how very diverse and, you know, growing the Air Plus recordings label is, is getting. It's all kinds of really cool stuff on there. Everything from 8-bit, ambient, you know, hip-hop beats, you know, everything. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. I actually was just over at Tiger Paw's house the other day as he was laying down a new track that I think he just put out. He's been remixing back and forth this guy that he uh, found. I think he's in South America. I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that. But anyway, it's just kind of fun to be party to all of the music brilliance going on in the Air Plus zone. So now we're going to debut a new section. Could be arguably called a filler section. <laughs> um, it's entitled arguably? "What PM is Playing." Now we're just going to kind of go around and just talk a little bit about the games that we've been playing. I specifically wanted to have this section in the games podcast. Well, because it's the games podcast, <laughs> but I wanted to have this section today because I'm finding that again with the the problem of just not having enough time to finish a game all the way or finish a, a bunch of games all the way, but having the kind of powerful need to play lots of different games <laughs> that, you know, I've played 20, 30 hours into a handful of different games over the past couple months, but not actually finished them, and would like to talk about them and maybe get the less known ones out there kind of into the, you know, pod sphere a little bit more. But I can't, in good conscience, really give it a real score without either knowing that I'm about to finish or that I will put up an actual score soon or whatever. Who knows if I'll actually ever completely wipe, finish, complete these games. But so so yeah, so I'd like to kind of go around and see what we've been playing, what you're up to, and what you find is you know really taking up your gaming time, however limited or or magnificently large it may be, depending on your your current schedule and and, and all that fun stuff. 
So uh, we'll just go around in a circle. Mike, lay it on me, man. What are you playing? Hey, podcasters. I've been going the mainstream route lately with uh, Diablo 3. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm a click, hardcore. Click, 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 click. Oh, my God. It's a clicking hardcore orgy going on over there. Uh, they introduced keys one through four, though. That's uh, that's helping out. A little, little diversity over there. Um, you know, I'm a hardcore Diablo fan. and playing it since the first one. You know, oh, really? Before, All the way from Diablo 1? Yeah, from Diablo 1. You know, when it was basically, like, you know, free game. Like, they are just throwing it out there. Like, people just play this game. It's before Blizzard was even really Blizzard. In fact, people who created Diablo weren't even a part of Blizzard, and Blizzard bought them after. Oh, really? Yeah, because they, they got the battle net, they put them together, and they're like, well, you did so good, we're going to turn you into Blizzard North. And so this kind of absorbed them into them. Now, was Blizzard North involved in this one directly? Mm-hmm. Or? Uh, maybe not the original creators. Yeah, those guys created Torchlight, if I remember right. Yeah. Which is freaking amazing. Yeah. You know, you'll get the studios that will continue with names, but usually the people jump around from game to game. Uh, so no, it doesn't have the original Diablo Diablo feel to it. This is a very different type of Diablo from your grandchild, your, your grandparents' Diablo. Starting off... Oh, it's that old now. It is. I feel so old. You gotta think, Diablo 2 came out 12 years ago. That's yeah. Diablo 2. 2. Diablo 1 was five years before that. So you got to imagine, this is a pretty old series. Um, it's got all the great clicky fun that's there. Um, you know, great flow of the, all these new classes they have. The monk, the demon hunter, which is just ungodly awesome. And we also have the, the witch doctor, which is a very unique style of gameplay. It's more in remnants of the necromancer class from Diablo 2. But a lot. Have you gone through and played a couple of the different ones? Um, I've played through completely with uh, the wizard. You uh, f- beat and the, the monk. Game. I beat the, the beat the normal. Yes, because yes, right. I mean, so, so the, for those of you that aren't familiar with Diablo, Diablo kind of expects you to have multiple playthroughs, mm-hmm. and it actually unlocks the higher difficulties. Yeah, once you beat the game through. on normal, you unlock nightmare. Once you beat the nightmare difficulty, it unlocks hell, and then they introduced a new difficulty level in this game called Inferno. Okay, and that's the high level, um, the high end game right now of it. And, uh, and unfortunately, that's, that's all like loot. This is like a loot based game. So oh yeah, that, like that is cooler the game. loot. Yeah, no, it's all randomized loot. Mm-hmm. You know, mobs don't drop like a set number of items or even a set type of item. It's all completely randomized. So with that, you know, it's it's promoting you know boss runs, uh, elite pack runs to get the items you need. Like they, they don't expect you to beat nightmare. And then jump into hell. They want you to farm the living hell out of uh, the last act of Nightmare before you can move on. Um, and that's how the game was designed. Right now there is a big flaw with the way they, they came out with this game. Because this is the first time that a single player game requires internet connection to Which be able to play Which is giantly it. frustrating. I mean, I've, is, I've been playing yes. this also myself nowhere near as much as you have. Early on, they had a lot, and this has been all mm. over the news. This is not news at this point. Arrow 3007. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there was lots of Arrow 37 problems or just kind of quirkiness getting booted off, playing yeah. for a half hour, getting booted off. We also got to imagine this broke PC game records sold. This was the highest game sold that was only on the PC. Yeah. And you got to imagine they weren't expecting that. They didn't have the server capacity for that at first. So yeah, yeah, the argument's been thrown out there. It's like these are the guys that control WoW. Yeah. How in the world were they not prepared? I mean, you get thirty-five million people logging in at once. So, yeah, well, your servers do. I don't think it even a matter of how many servers you have at that point. And don't forget, it's logging into Battle.net. So yeah. you're also talking the other Blizzard games. Right, yeah, so you can, you can communicate between and... StarCraft and Meet yeah, oh, StarCraft. Yeah, you can have the whole Battle.net you know, system. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, it gets it's I think overall they've done a good job on that considering um you know i get people who are still complaining that you know they're having trouble logging in and it seems know, to be slow well at this point, and, i think and I, i've since i i downloaded the game you know launch day i wasn't expecting to play it launch day and i didn't so i played it the day after that and i have never had an issue logging in i've never had my lag higher than you know 50 you know mil ms is a, a you know it's been oh, that's really low it's been really good and i don't know if the people who are complaining just it's their own personal, you know. Uh, Sounds like a personal problem. It's a personal problem to yeah. me, retard. Uh, <laughs> but no, I think it's more, you know, just the area they're in. And, you know, not so much Blizzard's problem. That's something that they can fix. That It's more of their... Well, you know, that's the problem with online gaming is it's so area-specific. I mean, if you're if you're at, like, a Comcast hub or something mm-hmm. that is just getting just bent over and butt-raped by all the people around you, yeah. it's, your, your, gameplay on, your gameplay experience online is going to get shitty. Yeah, maybe you need to turn off your torrents before you start playing. <laughs> right. Or have your roommates turn off your torrents. Oh, exactly, yeah. You know, that's probably a very good example. <laughs> been more than once where I'm, like, you know, downloading some, you know, trailer or something from <laughs> some torrent site and... and you know, the, legally, legally, of legally, course. yes, of yes. course. It's a, that's why I said trailer. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, a completely you know, legitimate and, and, reason and, to be. You know, and and my roommate will be out in the living room, and all of a sudden he'll be like, "Ah, f uh, this lag! This is garbage." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So besides all the technical issues that have gone along with the game, that they're you know going to obviously weed out over time. In my opinion, the game itself, how it was, how they intended it to be played, which is something that needs to be key for a lot of people because they. They introduced the auction house in this Diablo, which makes it makes the game makes a way for cheating. I, I, I like to say because you can go to the auction house level one, you know, after you've played first act, get twenty thousand gold, buy one item, a weapon that is way beyond the DPS that you should be having. Right, because at that it's level. a real money auction house. You well, they have and you they, can buy gold with real money. No, well, I mean they have two different versions of the auction house. They have the auction house with the gold, of course, and then you have a money auction house, which is down right now. They have not launched that. And with that, is you can sell an item for a certain amount of money, or you can sell gold for a certain amount of money. And you know that I think is that's their way of trying to deter farmers in a way. But I think it's well, really going to bust the game up because then it's not like oh hey. I've worked really hard, farmed a shit ton of gold, and I'm going to earn this weapon that makes my guy all the more powerful. No, it's like, eh, I don't really want I'll, 20 bucks, 30,000 gold, bang, just buy something. That's garbage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on dorkly.com, I remember them having a comic on that, and it was all like, you know, I'm Diablo, king of blah, blah, blah. How dare you come up to me? What do you think you can do against me? And he's like, I have the greatest weapon known to man. My dad's credit card. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's true. Yeah, a lot of people are going to be doing that. And this is Blizzard's, Blizzard's way of profiting on gold farmers. You know, that hey, they got a business going and they're making a lot of money. I want to yeah, do that, too. Yeah, it's an Activision more than Blizzard, yeah. I think. But, Acti- well, yeah. you know, but it does kind yeah. of cut down on the illegal gold farming type of thing. It's very and true, it can. This is a single-player game. This isn't like you're going into a PvP MMO. Mm-hmm. So, well, you well, know, I mean, there are not, some multiplayer not, aspects. There's not PvP, but, and I wouldn't be surprised if PvP got added in. Cause oh, no, no, they are. They've already games. announced the, you know, not the next patch, but the one after that is probably going to be where they release the PvP. Right. Um, I, you know, um, I'll just throw in a little something quick before we move on, because this isn't really something that I've been playing seriously, but the little bit that I have played, I guess to before I start with that, I played a pretty decent amount of WoW, not in WoW people terms, but you know I've I put in a couple hundred hours in WoW, you know, yeah. which isn't a whole heck of a lot, but whatever. Uh, so, but I'm familiar enough with it to recognize things, mm-hmm. and this really feels like Diablo. 
Yeah, it no, just, it, you know, it very much is. You know, it, there's it's so much like WoW, and it's got a lot of the things from WoW that really piss me the hell off. You know, and I don't want to get into that because I could spend the whole freaking hour on this. Mm. But it just really feels kind of like, hey, whatever happened to Diablo? It's like it's so. I mean, I understand that WoW in many ways is very based on Diablo, but it just feels like it kind of is. They're meshing the two worlds. Yeah, together. it's just way too much. Like WoW for yeah. me, you know. And anyway, so no, I totally agree. That's part of part of what what I'm looking at with it. And and my challenge to a lot of people is to play the game without going to the auction house. You know, play the game with the items you get, the loot that you get, you know, the money and time that you put into it. And that's what I did at first. I played through the first two acts before I even realized I can go to the auction house and buy a weapon that made me basically a god to the game. Um, and, you know, it was challenging. It was fun. And I enjoyed the hell out of it. It reminded me of Diablo 2 in many ways. In my opinion, the auction house is what is ruining it's messing it up. This game. It's messing it up. It's the, messing it up a lot. We had a friend who was going to come on, and hopefully at some point in the future we'll be able to have him come on. He runs his own political podcast. But he sent me, uh, along with his text message for Sorry Can't Make It, he sent me a little image that he says, this is pretty much how I feel about this. And I guess somebody had come up with a checklist, all right? So so these are the things that the Diablo... Oh, God. <laughs> these are the things that Diablo had. Not Diablo 2, Diablo from 96 had... Oh yeah, <laughs> has I've uh, seen that things from the Diablo. So these are things that Diablo has that Diablo three does not have: PvP, offline single player, LAN, stable servers, distributable attribute points and skills. Takes longer than a few hours to beat. Atmosphere appropriate for a game called Diablo. Good music, not influenced by WoW. Allows <laughs> spawned copies of installation. Good Battle.net interface. Is actually difficult. Inventory management is necessary. The things that Diablo 3 has that Diablo 2 uh, Diablo did not have uh, pay to win, DRM infested, retarded writing in development for 11 years. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that was his little two cents. That, that's very true all, all the way through it. But with a grain of salt, I must add. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely tongue in cheek. Yeah, no, that's cute. All right. uh, but uh, I mean, I'm not going to get into the, the end game because basically it's broken right now. But with what I played, I'm going to give it 8.5 Miyamoto's. A tentative kind of pre... Well, you beat it. I've, I've, I beat, you the, beat first the first difficulty. Right. Right. I have not played into the later difficulties or Inferno, which is where the game is really broken. It is broken. Oh, really? And they admit that it is broken right now. Okay. So until that's up and going and if you know it's still viable, I'll come back and reassess my overall... Cool. So, 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 so far, eight, was it 8.5 8.5. If I may cut that guy in I'm going to cut him in half. That would have... I was going to go, I was going to go eight, but I had to go come half. half. All right. So next up is the Brian. What, what is, uh, what has been in your console and on your computer screen, my friend? So before Lone Survivor, well, I guess after Lone Survivor, I Nothing. played Streets of Rage 2, which is your standard, you know, 16 bit beat em up kind of a game that you would find on the Genesis back in the day or in the arcades back in the day. And, you know, it's just your standard run of the mill beat em up, which I loved from back in the time. And it was on PlayStation and, Plus for free, which I have, PlayStation Plus, so, you know, it was fun. Before that, I played a game that was also free on PlayStation Plus, which was Battle Fantasia, I believe. Oh, really? Yes, which is a fighting game. And I'm starting to realize something about fighting games, and I'm just like, F*** them. You know why? Because <laughs> back in the day, like, you look at Street Fighter Two or Mortal Kombat... You had a progression of difficulty, like your enemies actually got better and you actually had to up your skill and then your enemies, the bosses were 
tough, but they weren't like ridiculously cheap. All the way up to Tekken 2, Tekken 3, again, tough, not ridiculously cheap. And then you have like Street Fighter 4, uh, what is it, DOA 3 or 4, and pretty much all the fighting games where your level of difficulty pretty much stays at a flat incline until you get to the final boss, in which case it goes to like this mile high, like sheer cliff. Yeah, what side. is it with them, like for the fighting games, like handpicking all of the most obnoxious, cheesy moves from every other character and then just dumping them into the final boss? Oh, it gets better because this game, you actually see how many hit points you have and characters have different hit points, which was kind of cool, I might add. Right, um, but you can also be like, how many hit points does he have? Exactly. So the boss, before he transforms into the final, final boss, actually has more than double your hit points. And then when he turns into the final, final boss, he had more than 10 times my amount of hit points. Every hit that he did did a quarter of damage. He's a morphing boss, like multi... No, basically you beat it and then like it's kind of one of these things where like you have this little cutscene and he turns into a a super boss kind of thing where he now has 10 times the hit points. Every hit does a quarter of damage. Oh, and he's the fastest fighter in the entire game. <laughs> that shit, man. That's just <laughs> bullshit. That's yeah, that's funny because I actually downloaded Battle Fantasia and Dustin and I played it for a little while. I never actually played against the computer, downloaded it. We played maybe 20 minutes of it and enjoyed the kind of quirky, ridiculous Japaneseiness of it. Yeah. Which is kind of what we thought was the takeaway and like the aim of it. And we're like, eh, and then we just deleted it. I never actually played against the computer, so it's kind of interesting the computers are like, you know, rah, crazy yeah. hard. Yeah, there I was did not like, expect there that. was no like level of difficulty progression in the game, you know. There was no learning curve or anything. It's like I could pretty much do whatever I want and beat everybody and then get to the final boss. I'm like, bullshit. Goodbye. <laughs> um Is it and, deleted at this point? Huh? Did you delete it? Oh yeah, it's gone. <laughs> I'm I'm done with it. It's never good games. when like you download a del- it's it's almost like being like, yeah, I'm gonna break the disc now. Yeah, and that's the way it was. When, like, I got back into fighting games and I was playing Tekken 5, and it's like, what the f*** is with this guy? It's like, he's got a move that can take away three quarters of your life and you can't block it, and it's like, what the hell? I'm just tired of fighting games where they make these super tough, super cheap bosses just to up the difficulty level instead of actually trying to skillfully make a game where the boss is just harder. Yeah, the only fighting game that's come out in recent memory that looks... I mean, again, I love indie stuff, but it looks it looks it looks interesting, and I, I understand has a very well balanced and kind of cool uh, fighting system. Is was it Skullgirls? Is that came out recently? Yeah, which okay. Nero actually had a part of back in the day, early on. Yeah, I helped uh, bootstrap the game. Uh, it was an artist friend of mine that had some drawings and kind of this idea to build a fighting game, and I kind of go, "Whoa, those are cool!" and uh, kind of slapped it together with some of my programming and said, "Hey, see, you can jump around and move. Not, m- not much else, but." <laughs> and uh, we kind of took it there. We did like. 35 Alpha got out in their public, and then uh, we started talking about gameplay, and uh, uh, he really wanted to make it a tournament fighter, so he teamed up with Mike Z, another really good tournament fighter. I guess he's won a couple, and uh, they actually found a publisher and backing and actually went ahead and made it, and it's available on the PlayStation 3 network as well as Xbox. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it, talk about quirky fighting games. There's uh, a lot of creative uh, elements in that one. Yeah, and it's really kind of a, just a, it's a, almost like a fairy tale story of like really amazing, cool ideas coming together and then being available, bam, publicly. Like, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It took, we started in 2005 and it finally came out in 2012. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, the scope of uh, what's in Alex's mind just, it's amazing. 
the mythos and everything as planned. And there's going to be downloadable characters and oh, much more, more to come. More. Yeah, so I, you know, I can't wait to see what's coming next. How cool. Yeah, I think I beta tested it once while at work together <laughs> during the slow period. Long ago. Between, long ago during that slow period between Christmas and New Year's where there's nothing to do. I think I've gotten in all my years of doing the type of work that we do. I think I've probably put in about 10 hours worth of work in the seven, eight years combined of the weeks between Christmas and New Year's. So, yeah. So I had nothing better to do. So I was like, okay, well, I'm no, getting paid. Definitely as well beta test. So that's what, that's what that's what the Brian's been playing. Nero, what, yes. what have you been up to game-wise? Well, I've been playing a lot of Soul Calibur V, uh, getting into uh, making little dolls and dressing them up, and then watching uh, the computer fight them. <laughs> God love it. Uh, <laughs> the grown man's doll toy, uh, and then, then of course they figured out how to squeeze you know, another $2 out of you every two, three weeks by selling you more outfits to put on your dolls. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's kind of fun, and, and we get together with our friends, and they have their set of characters, and so we kind of, you know, built a bunch of different characters. We also built, like, a set of Teen Titans, you know, so we got some comic book characters <laughs> in there. Excellent. And it's always fun to see how close you can get there, because there's only so many fighting styles, mm-hmm. you know. Are so. they still kind of mirrors of the fighting styles available from the other characters, or is there, like, stuff separate from that? It's mainly the Soul Calibur styles. There's not mm-hmm. a whole lot of deviation. However, they've killed off some characters. I mean, there's no more Taki. There's no more Talon. But, like... Talon, um, she was young. That's weird. <laughs> I know, right? Well, then there's every all the other characters supposed to be older now. Yeah, right? because um, the game takes place, what, 15, but, 18 years after yeah, the last one? Yeah, and uh, another interesting thing about Soul Calibur 5 is they outsource the story mode to another company. <laughs> really? <laughs> and so... Never good. You expect there would be a story mode for each character. But, no, there's only one story... For one of the characters you can play, and it it's only like twenty stages. They completely just fumbled the ball. It's like um, the old school oh, Tekken wow. one where you, you could only be Jun or something like that, and you, it was like this crazy like three D dungeon crawler. Oh or something. yeah, that one. Jun was it was Jun. Like it was Jun. Um, so bad. But you know, Talon's gone, but she's kind of got like this replacement of like I think it's Viola. Even though Viola is supposed to be this magic user with this magic ball that kind of assists her attacks. If you take that ball away, it's more it looks like more or less Talon's move. So hmm. they've got these spiritual successors, even though they might not be exactly the same. Well, that's good. So they have they do they're kind of tweaking the souls a little bit. So there's an evolution there. Um, but there's nothing I would say typically new. I mean they have a double gin from Tekken, which is a fun character to play. Nice. Um, nice. No weapon, and but Altair is in one of the versions PlayStation right? from the PlayStation version. Pretty sure they almost bought it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's and you know good thing they did not source the engine because the engine is a lot of fun. The customization is just one of the best games to to customize your character. And uh, you know there's online play. And uh, the another thing too is you can actually have like friends and rivals system where you can plug in all your friends and track their progress through the game. Do you get do you like set like achievements and scores and stuff like that based on who's done what more or less? Yeah, you can see how they're doing. They have uh, titles you acquire, which are kind of like their Love own it. achievements. I think there's like five to six hundred titles, nice. and uh, you play various ranks to get them. And it looks like it's uh, content that the game developers created, like five hundred different characters just screwing around and kind of put them in the game, which is kind of neat because they have a name that kind of fits the character and the motif, and you could see some of the possible ideas for other characters. That's awesome. Uh, how, would you, how would you rate the online play? Does it seem like pretty lag-free? Does it work really well? I come from Modern Warfare 3 online play, which I guess is just the king daddy of playing online. Uh, you know, a lot of micro rewards. You're playing with a team of people. So I find the fighting game experience online, and Soul Calibur obviously is the prime example of this. You're, you're one-on-one with someone else that might just pull their connection in the middle of a round because they're pissed off, 
Rage quit, and, baby. And you fight them, and they're, they're, you're done with each other. There's just nothing there to communicate or socialize really about. like chat channel. And so you can't even build any type of camaraderie or even... And it's know, just you and them. And so if you get, like, a chat afterwards, like, I can remember one of the... One of the games I play, I think it was one of the Street Fighter games more recently. You like get out into like a little lobby and you can kind of chat back and forth. And the things that come out of people's mouths when it's just you and them in a room is like, holy shit, man, oh my it's God. a game. Chill out. That's my mother you're talking about. Yeah, so I think if they had more of like a tournament mode where everyone was in the same room longer mm-hmm. and you That'd could cool. watch. I mean, if I'm kind of boring watching 30 other fights, I mean, I don't know how you solve all these problems. But yeah. well, I, think I think there was um, one of the DOA games had something like that where it had a actual like lobby where you could actually watch people fight like a full on tiered yeah yeah yeah. you had like you could I think it was like eight people could be in there watching uh, two people fight or something like that and right. chatting with each other it's definitely not a community thing I think the, the fighting games I think it's more like just get thrown at people who are unpredictable mm-hmm. that really what's what brings to the table but at that point it's almost just like having random difficulties with the computer and, you know I, I would say I, I think that you get used to the way the computer plays mm-hmm. and you get used to the kind of the rate that a computer adapts to you and different people are different. Some people adapt faster, slower. They have mm-hmm. kind of a move that I had this one guy when I was playing Street Fighter Four, and he had, he was Zangief, and he just did that like do the full circle and hit heavy attack, and he just like like sticks his arms out and propellers you, and and he kept doing it and kept doing it and kept doing it and kept, he was like convinced that he was going to kill me with this thing, and I just like squatted down and went. Achoo, achoo, achoo at his foot and killed him he was so mad (laughs) but you know so I mean you just get like silly shit that happens like that so I think it's worthwhile my problem with those so far has been that it seems like whoever has whoever is the host of the game unless you're because unless they have a system where it's actually like separate servers but it seems like it's kind of like local hosts and they pour it into you or they're hosting and you pour it into them whoever is hosting the game has like home field advantage big time Mm -hmm. you know with like the timing and they can get stuff in faster and it's just almost like hey I hit that first or whatever and that always seems to be very broken so uh, do you feel like that at all on this Uh, one? You know I I haven't played a whole lot so um, the ones I have played Skullgirls and Soul Calibur 5 I actually had no complaints about the lack I really didn't feel like it was bad my only complaint is I think the people that play online fighting games are the ones that want to get better at it yeah so me being a casual gamer i just avoid it completely and uh you know so hardcore and like you said the computer's got its own charm i think in soul caliber one of the things that they've kind of got going on with the computer is it's kind of like it's like the computer attacks and you defend and then you attack and it's kind of like turn-based almost the way they made the ai work so it's kind of like as long as you're a little bushido about things, uh, you get a better, uh, better, um, you get more attacks. It's landed. like really, really advanced and complicated high speed rock paper scissors. It, it, well, exactly, <laughs> turn based rock paper scissors, which is kind of neat for an action game to have that kind of thing. So uh, as I got better at it, I realized, okay, it's his turn to attack. <laughs> right. And, and so you, you get a, a rhythm for it, like you're saying, and uh, you get better with the AI, and and then you go online and play and get humans completely something else. But you know, my my favorite signature thing about the Soul Calibur series is to be able to kick someone an ankle to death. I mean, <laughs> just, I don't know. It just doesn't realize you're doing it. Or, or what. <laughs> just can't figure it out. <laughs> yeah, so that, that's one of my favorite signature thing that's been there since I've been playing it. So nice. Yeah, Excellent. It well, after the break, we're going to get back and talk to the administrator about what she's been up to in gaming. You're listening to Geek Life, Panamanga.com's very own podcast. Stay with us.
Welcome back to Geek Life. Rounding out our What PM is Playing segment, we're moving into talk with the administrator about what she's been playing. So, administrator, what is uh, in your system right now? Well, first of all, it's May, so technically I shouldn't be playing any games at all. I should just be prepping for my summer work. <laughs> but the 8th Henry and I kind of went out and got a brand new TV. Ooh. And it's just been Siren Song has been singing to you. Yeah, so I had a free afternoon. I thought, oh, I should play something. I have time. So I wander into the local GameStop, and I pick up Uncharted. Which you'd never played before. I have never played before specifically because that game is so goddamn pretty, and I had a TV from circa, oh, I'm going to say 1812. (laughs) So there was no point in playing the the Uncharted series. One person played, the other person turned the crank. Yeah, pretty much. There's just no point. Now, my my question is, is that based on our experience doing the round robin of Journey, how much time in that game was spent you just, like, staring at shit? (laughs) (laughs) So you know how when I asked you, how long did it take you to get through Uncharted 1, and you're like, oh, you know, it's a short game. It's like 14 hours or something. I'm like, that's funny. 12 hours. Yeah, just, uh, 20, 30 hours. <laughs> Holy moly. <laughs> because you get treasures, right? And so I would get a treasure, and I would stop, and I would inspect the model. I'm like, oh, that's really Oh, yeah, because cool. when you get a treasure, for those of you that haven't played the game, A, what the f***? <laughs> but, but, but anyway. Oh, my. Hey, they might they have not it too, have, have a PlayStation 3. Yeah, I do. I have a PlayStation 3, but the disk drive's broken, so... Oh, snap. That's crazy. Oh, damn. I'm too lazy to get it fixed. Damn. But for those of you that haven't played the game, you know, like a collectible in uh, in Uncharted series is little treasures. And when you get them, you can kind of, like, zoom in and spin around and stuff, which is basically like them being like, here, administrator, play. (laughs) Yeah, it's really bad. Normally, I don't really care too much about the side mission stuff in a game. I just want to get through and I want to play the game. But when I saw that you could rotate the models, the little treasures, and just really get in and inspect them, yeah, I spent a lot of time getting them all just so I could look at them up close. <laughs> and but, don't forget, you had a trophy for it. Yeah. yeah. Sure, you know, and that's the, one of the few things, one of the few games that has ever actually had trophies that I gave a shit about. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously I give a shit about trophies now because I threw down the E-Penis gauntlet with the Brian <laughs> and, and we had to, we were having a battle. So now it's like there's somebody to compete with. But before then, I never understood the trophy horrors or the achievement horrors. It's kind of like, dude, who gives a shit? <laughs> yeah. You know, but in Uncharted, it's like it directly translates to you get this level of a trophy or, it, or obviously it's a trophy, not achievements, but you get this level of a trophy, it equals this much in-game currency currency and you can use that to like mirror the levels or put big heads on everybody or lower the gravity or have unlimited ammo or always unlock the shotgun and it would never let you play any of those things unless you'd actually beat the level already but it unlocked this whole new level of just like around with the game that was just great and i really think more games should do that anyway back to you administrator yeah no it was really awesome um like i said it was a series that i specifically avoided because it was pointless to play without being able to see it in its full glory. Very so, true. Mm-hmm. So I had this awesome TV. Like, yeah, yeah, it'll be fine. And I became completely obsessed with the game. Fell in love with the characters. Fell in love with the acting. Fell in love with the camera angles. Holy crap, the camera angles. So cinematic. That's the thing, too, because this whole Let's Play Uncharted thing happened when I was trying to introduce the really broken Silent Hill to you. We kind of gave up. So and, broken. Yeah, it, it's really unfortunate. But we gave up for the evening. And you're like, hey, before you leave, why don't you play a little bit of Uncharted 3? <laughs> Four hours later. <laughs> I know, I'm sitting on the ground or sitting on our beanbag. The administrator is sitting on the couch. 
and just playing. And I'm thinking like, oh, you know, she, she's got work tomorrow. She'll get tired and go home. And I'm not, I'm not going to stop her because this is a good game. I like wake up. <laughs> like two hours later, I'm like, son of a bitch, she's still playing? <laughs> so, I, I figured at some point you'd fall asleep there. That's, exactly yeah. that's how every story ends with JP. And then I fell asleep. Oh, so. thanks. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. I woke up it, and the house was on fire. And I woke up and there were strippers there. everywhere. Yeah, but, you know, that kind of got stuck in my head. And so fast forward a month later is when I get the TV. And that's probably why that was the first thing that I thought to get. You've gone through two of them at this point. Right? I have. I picked up a charted one. I beat it in three sessions. You basically mainlined that shit. Uh, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. So uh, I finished the first game. I'm sitting, I'm watching the credits, and that's something I really like to do. I just like to sit down and actually see who was involved in it. Yeah. Mostly to give respect, and also every once in a while I may come across a name that I know. So That's always fun. I'm sitting there. I get to the end of the credits. There's a brief moment of darkness, and I'm thinking, well, it's it's 8.30, and it takes me about 17 to 20 minutes to get down to the game store. And then I immediately go and get a charge. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I can Break remember you, you, you posted on Facebook about that. You're like, yeah, it lasted about... 30 seconds after Uncharted 1 before I zipped out and got number 2. And keep in mind that, once again, I should not be playing games right now. I need to be prepping for work. So there is this moment of, oh, this is a good stopping point. Now I can get back to work and be a responsible adult. <laughs> or Uncharted 2. <laughs> and I'm actually really happy that I waited this long to play the series. And you brought this up because uh, you and Dustin were playing the games as they came out. And so you had to suffer for years oh, in between games, yeah. and I'm able to go from one to the other to the other. And it's going to be awful when I finish three. It really will be. I then just you'll just need to, to get yourself a Vita. Yeah. Mm. No, we're not doing that. Not, not going that route. Uh, uh, not going know. that route. Yeah. Have you seen how pretty the Uncharted game yes, looks on that? Yes, I, I kind of played the demo Naughty already. Hmm? Is it made by Naughty Dog? Yes, I believe so. I think so. Hmm. Okay. Uh, but yeah, we're not. No, no, I've already played the demo. It's. Uh, uh-uh, we're not going down this route. <laughs> but yeah, so overall, really great series, and it's just, Brian. you know, even though the games are several years old at this point, the graphics still hold up in a crazy amazing way. Well, they still outshine a great deal of things that are coming out right now. Yeah, and I think that says a lot about Naughty Dog, is they take such care in the level of everything in their games, and the models still hold up. There are a lot of games where they just, you know, smash the models together. Come on, this looks good for right now. Don't worry about next year. I mean, going back, it feels like it's a brand new game. It's like, oh yeah, this is the best we could possibly do. These are the max poly counts. This is how we could do it. And then you realize, oh, this is the first in a three-part series. Right. And it happened several years ago. And it ago. gets better and better and better It, as you it go. really does. I noticed that in two, I'm, mm, I think about 89% of the way through at this point, the camera angles kind of went away. And I was starting to freak out about that, except for the part where I had played you know, the first four hours of three. So I know the epic ha- camera angles come back, so I'm not worried about the rest of the yeah, series. Yeah, towards the end of two, they, the camera angles really come back into play. There's a lot of uh, kind of platforming in the middle of action and stuff, and there's many times where you're wondering to yourself, can, can I move it? Or are we out of the cutscene? Like, it's yeah. so well done. So, yeah, I look forward to that. It's great. Yeah, it, it's, I mean, really one of the best games I've played in a long while. Definitely. Well, as far as what I've been playing, I've been playing a lot of stuff. Uh, let's let's. let's I go. love that one. Yeah, <laughs> stuff is it's good. The best yes. one. Especially no, the I, I, I guess I guess the, the yeah, epic parade of games that I've been playing uh, officially started with probably Lone Survivor a while back. 
and played a played like I got got it played like a a, a bunch of it and and then stopped and then didn't play it until the round robin happened, which is a problem when I find a game that I'm like, oh, we should do a round robin because then I have to wait for a round robin to play it. Uh, anyway, the two games that I've really played a great deal of, one was Prototype 2, which uh, I really enjoyed, and I'll talk about it in a second. And the other one was Dragon's Dogma, which is my brand new, newfound love. But first Prototype 2, anybody that's played the first Prototype game, I think that it came out in a miserable time because it came out right around the time that... Um, that uh, Infamous came out, and I guess people on the Xbox were like, yay, Prototype 2 is really cool, I don't know anything about this Infamous thing, but anybody that actually got to play both of them at the same time, Infamous was like, Infamous Smash! Yeah, <laughs> It was it so was. damn good. Infamous is another example, just like the administrator was saying about the Uncharted series, of a developer who, at this point, is pretty much, is like gobbled up first party, right? Yeah, they've been first party for a while. Yeah, so... A developer that that really knows kind of the PlayStation inside and out and has the very incredible ability to kind of just ring out all the goodness, all the, you know, like really high poly counts, all that sort of stuff. It's like a a company that that really is at the top of their game with being able to use the hardware available to them to do amazing stuff and is not burdened by, well, this has to also work on the other system that, that is less powerful. You know, there's some things that the Xbox does well, way better than the PlayStation, especially, I would say, like, kind of socially with, like, the the being able to talk in and out of games and all that sort of stuff. That's awesome. But as far as just the raw power and the, what somebody, what a, what a developer can do if just kind of let just run free, the, the PlayStation ha- it has it just in the bag. With the exclusive titles that come to the PlayStation, like Infamous, like Uncharted, there's nothing like that that comes near that. On the Xbox. And I'm an Xbox fan. I have an Xbox. I play Xbox games. Anyway, so I'm kind of getting on a tangent here. So what I've been playing was Prototype 2. Prototype 1 was a lot of fun. The Prototype games are less like, hey, let's create a really cool superhero story and let you get some powers and have an interesting uh, story with drama and ups and downs and, you know, ooh, with power comes great responsibility and all that sort of stuff. Prototype's more like, you know, oh, let's give you really, really powerful toys to play with and then just a city to <laughs> you know, just like smash shit, kill people, consume them, eat them, throw them off. I mean, like half the fun is just being vicious and sadistic. And uh, and this, the story, for the most part, is kind of, you know, take it or leave it in the first game. And the second game, the story is also kind of like that. A big problem that this game suffered with was that none of the characters were three-dimensional enough, enough for you to really care about them. You know, the bad guys were kind of like as the Brian often likes to say, kind of mustache-twirling level of bad, just ah, 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 just bad for the sake of being bad, would do kind of careless, cruel things that weren't necessarily the most efficient way to accomplish their goals, and it's just kind of like, in an effort to make you think, these guys are terrible, I have to take them down, but it kind of dehumanizes them and all of a sudden makes you just think, like, okay, this is like a, a wall I have to climb instead of a horrible person who's conflicted and evil and but human, you know? Uh, but the the star of the show is with Prototype 2 was the gameplay and the freedom that it allowed. They had smoothed up and polished a lot of things about the first game that really felt a little bit kind of clunky. You know, they have a system where basically you hold R2 and you're in kind of like free run mode. And you can kind of just aim yourself. It feels like kind of like driving a car. You kind of aim yourself in a direction. And he just kind of just jumps over stuff, climbs over things, flips up stuff, parkours his way all over the place. At and crazy speeds. Too. At crazy speeds. But the, the real joy of the game comes through kind of traversing the terrain and the verticality in this one in particular was amazing. You know, they give you, like I said, all these kind of obscenely 
way overpowered powers that that normal like if i think you know if the guy from prototype was in infamous like there'd be nothing in the entire infamous game that could even become anywhere near as powerful and so because you have the kind of freedom of movement and the kind of just massive destructive capabilities that you do they do a really good job of creating situations and opponents that stretch you right to the edge of your capabilities which is really awesome because that's one thing that you have to be really careful about when you have a game that gives you a lot, a lot of power. It's only fun for so long, just running around being like, <laughs> and pretty soon you're like, okay, come on, challenge me. This is why I play games. Give me a, give me a challenge to overcome so I can feel a sense of accomplishment. This is what games is for. And that's when they throw in the escort mission. That's when, they, <laughs> <laughs> no, well in this one, basically they create monsters and stuff that can keep up with you, do a substantial amount of damage, and then at the same time throw all the little kind of petty humans at you in such waves of insanity with weapons that can knock you on your butt and do lots of damage, and then throw in a couple attack choppers and an Apache and like three tanks and like dudes everywhere perched with rocket launchers that knock you down and stun you. And, and then on top of that, throw in a bunch of giant, awful, mutated dog creature things that can jump and run and keep up with you and then will like attack. I mean, it's just like, it's absolute pandemonium and mayhem that, that blew my mind and was, was ongoingly really fun. And then, you know, that's just happening within like two or three block radius. And so if that becomes too much for you, you run up the side of a skyscraper and in the third act, third island, because they break it up in islands, the red zone, the whole city is destroyed. And so you've got these skyscrapers fall broken in half or falling into each other, smoke everywhere, things destroyed, and the set pieces were just incredible. And, and just, just in awe, just like run up them and stand on the top of a tipped over destroyed building and look down upon the burning city. And, and it's just really powerful and very cool. So yeah, really, really worth the play. I like it a lot. Uh, you know, uh, I'd probably give it an eight Miyamoto's. I really would like to write out a real review for it, but it's not not really relevant at this point because it's old enough. But the game that I've really been playing a lot recently that that uh, blew my mind was was Dragon's Dogma. And you know, if you if you the best way to describe Dragon's Dogma, and this is often the best way to describe a game, is by saying, well, kind of like this game, kind of like this game, and squish those games together, right? So if you kind of imagine like a Skyrim and Demon Souls or Dark Souls, kind of interchangeably. And like Dragon Age, and just kind of just kind of squeeze them all together. And you've got like really cool party elements and a big, massive, wide open world that really feels big. Their only fast travel they have, and I honestly think that the Bethesda games have kind of spoiled us with the fast travel in the big worlds. The only fast travel you have is basically a port crystal that ports you back to the main city. And the main city isn't necessarily the, your kind of final destination with things, but it's kind of like your central hub where you can kind of get your stuff, sell things, buy things, get ready to go out. But basically, there's a day-night cycle, and the kind of stuff you run into is crazy more powerful at nighttime. And so there's this genuine sense of dread when you're out making your way from the main city to this really far away place and the sun starts to set and you're kind of like, Oh crap. Now out come the, the, the freaks come out at night. The freaks come out at night. Exactly. You've got wraiths, zombies, higher frequency of, of ambushes, all this sort of stuff. And it gets dark enough in some places where you have like this little lantern on your belt. And basically the light that that throws things kind of come out of the darkness into that to attack you and you have a split second to deal with them. It's really genuinely frightening at nighttime. And the game has a pretty decently high level of difficulty, which is bolstered with brilliant combat. That's really the star of the show in this game, is the combat is so well-balanced and well-made. You feel powerful, strong, fast, but at the same time, so are your enemies. 
you know, that's why I said it's a lot like Dark Souls or Demon Souls is because it makes you stay on your toes. You can absolutely, depending on the strategy you use and how you use what they call pawns, your party, I guess in the RPG yes. term, how you kind of command them and send them and work with them and how you play your role and strategy that you use will dramatically depend, I mean, will dramatically change the outcome of the battle. But at the same time, if somebody sneaks around the back of you and stabs you a couple times, you're done. You're done. And uh, I guess the, the last thing to say about this as I could go on and on, I don't want to spend too much time on it, but the last thing I could say about this is that they've added in this kind of like Monster Hunter-esque, that's the other one, this Monster Hunter-esque sort of thing of fighting these crazy huge bosses, and you can climb on them. So like, you've got a, uh, what's one of the fun ones? Uh, a griffin. You've got a griffin. Like, the first time I ran into a griffin, you've got a bunch of these awful harpies, which are which in this game are realized in sort of this like, they're like giant birds, Except they're birds to where the wings kind of attach to the body, and then they're sort of like the this like the bust of these like awful, horrible women with like gray skin, and they're just screeching and flying around, and they'll pick you up and drop you down, and and you're shooting them out of the sky, and it's a beautiful game, and so you're like you can kind of see where they're coming from because it's very hectic, you know. You watch the ground, and you can see their shadows, right? The next thing I know, there's this big ass shadow on the ground. I'm thinking, oh, it must have flown a little higher, and then I think, no, wait. That's a little too big. I look up and I hear this, this like screech just kind of peels out in the sky and down comes this griffin just ripping down. And again, this is a random encounter. This isn't like a boss battle. This is just you going from point A to point B to accomplish some kind of thing. And there's these epic battles that take 20 minutes to finish that are just in there. You just run into and they're very gratifying and very challenging. But this griffin comes down. He's going crazy. You attack him. You shoot him in the, in the wings and your pawns will kind of shout out interesting suggestions and help. And you can actually share your pawns back and forth between other players. It's the only online interaction you get. And so say my pawn just it gets hired by somebody else and they've run into a griffin before I do, my pawn will actually say, hey, you do this. This is a good strategy. So it kind of helps you. So it's interesting. But, you know, it gets down. You start kind of attacking it. It falls down. You get like a couple quick punches in. And then it gets up and starts to fly away. Well, at this point, I'm like, man, I'm going to just... I've been shooting from a distance because I'm an archer, right? I run up and jump, its, uh, grab its leg, climb up on its back, and now I'm so high above everybody else that if I fell off, I'd be very dead. And I've done this before. I've fallen off and been dead. And I'm up there, and my maid just my maid screams at me, take my fire! And like all of a sudden, my weapons like explode into flames. And so I'm like holding on to the back of this griffin's neck, flying above the world, and stabbing it in the back of the head. And he lights on fire, and then basically does this like spinning plane. Into the ground, and all my other pawns rush over and finish him off, and it was just epic. And this is again just a random encounter. And this is the same sort of stuff happens you run into cyclopses, chimeras, all this crazy stuff, and it's just so entertaining. So very entertaining. This is the first time since probably Fallout 3 where I think about a game when I'm not playing it and want to play it, and everything else in life is in the way of me playing this game. <laughs> this is what this game has done to me. I've probably put a good 30 or 40 hours into this game in the week that I've had it. Anyway, so very cool. I guess that's the conclusion of the What PM Has Been Playing segment. Thanks for listening to the Geek Life Games podcast. Any last thoughts, anybody? Is this where I draw the penises? This is where you draw the penises. <laughs> okay, I'll make sure. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, I, I, guess, I guess I should explain that. A couple, a couple podcasts ago, last time we had Mike, which is... <laughs> I don't last think it was the had... last time, but it was the time that we did Chronicle. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah when right. we did the Chronicle movie podcast... 
We have these little dry erase boards for people to write their thoughts on so that it doesn't get all loud and awful like paper. And I always hand them out to everybody. Mike comes in and I'm like, okay, here's your dry erase board. Mike, write down your thoughts and notes. And he's like, oh, I don't need it. I've got a nice new tablet. You know? <laughs> it was a nice tablet. And it's a nice tablet, way. right? And so I'm thinking, oh, that's awesome. He'll be able to look stuff up on his, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I started off doing that. And then quickly, I like I pulled out like the, the drawing apps. I'm going to write my thoughts down. And like, I was like, I don't really have too many on this. Like, I already know them. So I just started kind of doodling. And then, hey, look at that, penis. Yeah, it just devolved into penis pictures. And then basically he would draw these detailed, awful penises. <laughs> well, that, well what I was doing was, as you guys were describing like your favorite scenes, I would draw that scene, but with the characters, instead of the characters, they were penises. Right, and then of course he'd wait until an opportune moment when we were talking about it, and then he'd flip it around and show it to us and just try and mess us up. <laughs> we had so many takes in that stupid episode. <laughs> Oh my god! Do you still have the penis gallery? I have a couple of them. Although my favorite one of Biggs, uh, what I would think of him is if he was a giant penis. <laughs> that was my favorite one, and I, I don't know. I guess I didn't save or something. I don't know. Uh, but it's uh, just, uh, yeah, him and um, the world's probably better for it. Like, yeah, that's true. Oh yeah, and I had one that was really long that I basically sat there, I just turned it around, and I'm all. Scroll, scroll. Yeah, yeah, just scroll. scroll. For like a minute. Like it was it was it was basically like however long it was like the program was gonna let me draw yeah, something. That's basically how far it went. Yeah. yeah, and then it exploded in a magical thing of fireworks at the end. Yes, yeah, just really horrible. So yeah, I mean it's those of you that aren't aren't familiar with, with Mike's one of Mike's many talents is taking jokes way too far. So uh, but this is one of the reasons why we have him on here. He keeps things uh interesting. I also love the fact that, that was like the first thing that you said to your girlfriend. Like, like, so how the podcast goes? Like, let me show let you. Me show you all the penises I drew. And she just started laughing. She was really okay with it. Too. She, was, she was. I, I've desensitized her to a lot of yeah, things. Absolutely. It was because yeah, Mike. I mean, I guess you know, not not new anymore, but but you know, has uh, has been dating this really awesome. Uh, awesome girl who's also a listener, so she'll hear this. Oh, she is. She, I, I'm not going to say anything until until this this airs because she actually listens to these more than I do. Sadly, <laughs> <laughs> she but yeah, no, she, but right. like, but like, you know, you know how it always is when you have a really close friend, and I've known Mike since like kindergarten, yeah, forever ago. Anyway, 25 years, yeah, probably. so 24. Actually, yeah, that's that's about right. Yeah. Anyway, I've known Mike forever and ever, and so whenever you've got a friend who's just a diehard part of your family basically and a new woman comes into his life there's always this dance you have to do of like <laughs> is she cool is she fun does she fit into the group do i have to tolerate her or can i actually be friends with her what's happening you know and uh and can, can we say her name on sure yeah first name yeah so quickly carly comes in and she's just like awesome and we just like hit it off and she's totally great and I don't know it's just it's great and it's just an illustration of how hilarious and awesome she is when you can come home and be like look what I drew what what she's, she's just like, like oh, good for you That's Mike so good. <laughs> she's also really good at drunken Jenga oh uh, she was really good was, at drunken she's a machine play that again by the way you know what we no, should do we should, like, we should like put up like guidelines how to make drunken Jenga yeah okay, I, was, well, I was tempted to go out and buy it and make one well meanwhile back at the point uh, <laughs> we will see you guys next time and I uh, hope you enjoy this edition of Geek Life, Panamega's very own podcast, Games Edition. So this is JP signing off. We'll see you guys next time. Peace. Bye. Later. Hasta la pasta. <laughs> <laughs>
please email us at geeklife at pandamanga.com with your questions, comments, and insights. Anyone interested in becoming a PM contributor, visit our contact page at contact.pandamanga.com and complete the form located there. Music has been provided by AirPlus Recordings. As always, links to the artists and songs featured on this episode are available in the show notes at podcast.pandamanga.com. If you'd like more information about AirPlus Recordings, visit airplusrecordings.com. This is JP. We'll see you next time. Chickens. <laughs> <laughs>